So they approached the king, they proposed this decree that no prayer can be made in the kingdom for 30 days to our, any god or to any man except the king. Daniel 6, 6 through 9 says, as they come to the king, they say, O king Darius, live forever. You kind of get a sense there, they're kind of, you know, nudging up to him there a little bit. Live forever, O king. And then they say, all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors, agreed that the king should establish an ordinance. If you notice, the law was only to last 30 days, just long enough to trap Daniel. Just long enough to trap Daniel. If you notice, they lied as they went to the king also. They said, all the presidents and all the officials went. Yet the truth is, they didn't include Daniel. They were given the mindset that Daniel had given his approval. You see, they knew what they needed to keep in their position. They knew they needed Daniel removed. But you see, they didn't want the murder of Daniel on their hands. So they come up with this little law, this law of the Medes and Persians that can't be revoked, can't be undone. Well, the king is flattered. He signs the decree, which can't be broken. Well, Daniel's faith up to this point had got, had got him far, right? He'd been very successful. But now, could his faith cause him to lose it all? What would you do? What would I do when we face situations in our lives like Daniel did? Just this week, I was reading in the news different articles. There's a new law in California about allowing homosexuals to marry. And of course, God's word says that, that that's wrong, that's sin. But based on the article I read, pastors, even florists whose service weddings could be charged in California. There's a time coming, and it could be soon, when we have to choose between God and man in a much bigger way than we are now. I read an article of all places, Texas, where the Veterans uh, Administration secretly was telling the widows and the widowers of people who served, who were buried in the, the um, cemetery there for, for veterans, that they couldn't mention God. And they couldn't mention Jesus. And so now there is a whole thing going on with, with that, and they wanted to remove her from, um, from office. So there's, come, there's coming a time, more and more, when we will have to make decisions and we have to choose God over what man says and over what we can see. Well, Daniel was ready. Will we be? Well, with the de decree signed, the trap had been set for Daniel. We see, though, in this next session that not only was Daniel distinguished, 
and despised, Daniel was disciplined. Verses, verse 10 of chapter 6 says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. Daniel prayed after he knew it was signed. It wasn't like because he wasn't involved in the process that he didn't know that the, the edict had been signed. He knew. And he purposely went, I believe, and prayed. And he followed a custom that many Jewish people followed over the years, especially back then. They prayed three times a day. And they prayed facing Jerusalem. Psalm 55, the psalmist says, Evening, morning, and noon, I will cry out in my distress, and God hears my voice. And King Solomon, as he prayed at the dedication of the new temple, said, May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, so that you will hear the prayer of your servants uh, praying toward this place. So Daniel was just following the, the, the traditions of back then. Daniel didn't change his schedule. He didn't change his life because of this. You see, prayer was a part of his life. He knew he had needs, and he knew he had needs daily. And so he went to God daily. He didn't just start praying whenever the decree came into place. He knew that, that it was only through God that he could have his needs met. You know, crises don't develop disciplined people. Crises reveal people who have discipline in their lives. I like to jog. Okay, I admit, there are many of you here who can run 10 times faster than I can run. 10 times, maybe 20 times longer than I can. But you know what? There's something about jogging that I like. I like it. I, there's just that refreshing feeling that, that comes with running. Um, while I was on vacation this, this month, uh, two weeks down in the Gulf, I would just wake up at 5.45, usually 5.45, sometimes 6.15. I'd get up and run. Zach and Jared and Kristen get up and run. They're like, Ralph or Dad, what's wrong with you? But see, I love to run. It does something for me. Sure, there's some mornings I get up, and I wake up and I think, I need to go run. But that bed is saying, Ralph, I'm mighty comfortable. Sometimes I get up and I get, get go out there and, and I'm, I run. And it's like, it seems like every step of the way, I'm, I'm hurting. I just like, what did I, why did I eat that last night? You know, whatever. You know what? I know that when I run, that it's good for me. It has many good health benefits for me. And so I try to do that, short-term and long-term. Well, in the same way, we ought always to pray. We ought always to pray. Not because we're going to feel better. Some days we're going to be encouraged after we pray. Some days we're going to sense the presence of God. We're going to know that He loves us. Some days it's going to be hard to get down on our knees 
and pray. But we need on those days to get on our knees because we know that in our lives we need God. Well, after the the, the accusers set everything up, Daniel is disposed. It says the officials, in verse 11, it says, Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. You know, isn't it interesting? They went, they went to his house, they watched him, they saw him praying three times a day. You know, I, I, I think about it, Daniel has some options. Of course, the first one would go out the door because he's a believer, but, you know, first option, he could have prayed to the king. That's not really an option. But secondly, he could appeal to the king and said, can this be stopped? But he knew it couldn't. Third, he could have stopped praying for 30 days. He could have said, God, you know my needs. I'm not going to pray for 30 days. Or he could have just simply closed his windows and went inside and prayed his heart out and saying, God, you know what's going on. Forgive me. Forgive me for hiding in here, but I, I know I need you and I, I, I want your help. But he didn't do that. He just continued praying like he always had. Of course, his accusers went directly to the king. And they said to him, um, ah, King Darius, long may you live. Um, didn't you just sign a decree that no one can pray to anyone or anything except you? And the king said, yes, and it's still in place, and it can't be revoked. And then, they said, that man, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. That man, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah. Now think about this. I don't know what you call it, racist. I'm not, I'm not sure what you call it. Now they know, they know the king knows this man. He was the man that the king was going to set up to be over everybody else except for him. They knew him. They knew that he knew. And yet, the man, that Daniel, that, that, that captive, well, you know, it just so happened that Daniel had lived there for almost 70, around 70 years, and he was set up because of his commitment, his loyalty to the king. And yet they say, they lie and say that Daniel was disregarding the king. Well, of course, the king was distressed. He loved Daniel. He respected Daniel. I'm sure that they were, in, in many ways, good friends. And he tried for a full day to figure out a way to get Daniel off the hook. The, the accusers came back that evening. And came to Darius and said, remember, this decree can't be broken. There's a law of the Medes and Persians. 
Well, Daniel was thrown in the lion den, lion's den. And it says a stone was laid over the mouth of the den, and the king, with his uh, own seal, closed it, sealed it, so that it might not be changed anything concerning Daniel. And then the king went to his palace, it says, and he spent the night fasting. He had no music, no entertainment, and he didn't sleep. You can see, he's very different than King Nebuchadnezzar earlier, who hated the Jewish people, he loved Daniel and he respected him. It's interesting that that Darius remains hopeful because he's watched him. I think he believed that that God would deliver him. He says to Daniel on, on, on his way out, he says, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Of course, we see that he was delivered. It appears, though, that Daniel's enemies had won. Daniel's in the lion's den, is sealed. Darius, in his distress throughout the night, got up early the next morning. And he runs to the den of the lions and he cries out, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel's response was, O king, live forever. My God has sent an angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no wrong. There's two things there. First, he acknowledges that God has sent a lion, closed the mouth of the lion. Also, if you think about it, not only did he close the mouth of the lions, the lions could have just broken his body with their, with their paws. But he protected him. Secondly, he affirms his innocence before God and before the king. Well, Darius, of course, had Daniel removed from the den and his accusers, he says, and their children and wives were thrown into the lion's den. It often happens... When we set a trap, those who set the trap get caught in it. Psalm 7, verses 14 through 16, says, The wicked conceive evil. They dig a deep pit to trap others. And then they fall into it themselves. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. That reminds me, if you remember the story of Esther, in the Old Testament, this man, Haman, just hated Mordecai, a Jewish guy, and he had this huge uh, gallows set up to hang Mordecai. And, of course, we know that in the long run that Haman was hung on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. Well, in all of this, God is exalted. God is glorified because King Darius makes a decree he says, says, he made a decree that in all my dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never shall be to the end. And he delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders 
in heaven and on earth. And of course, that last verse then, that passage says that Daniel prospered. Daniel prospered. Well, as we close up and as we think about how this applies to our lives, I want us to remember first that God is sovereign over nations and over people, over kings. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. If God is able to sovereignly control a king, he's in control of those around us. He's in control of our enemies. Darius' response was very similar to King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4. If you remember, he was the one who had kind of lost his mind and was eating grass and living like an animal. Nebuchadnezzar said, I lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is everlasting and his kingdom endures from generation to generation and all inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does according to his will. Our God is sovereign. He controls not just the kings, but nations. If you look at around us, if you turn on the TV, if you read the news in paper or internet, you, I know you're aware that there is an economic downturn going on. You've probably heard about Greece being at the point of default. You've probably heard that the European Union is right there with them in so many ways. And I know you've heard that the United States is having major problems economically. At the same time, the unrest and instability in the world causes us some unrest. This this week, as Chris and I were at, at DePaul for Jared's um, orientation, we met a guy who was uh, in the Air Force, he's a high-up guy, I think he's a general, and he's, he's been in 28 countries, no, sorry, 58, 56, 58 countries, lived in 26. One of his jobs is he was consultant to the president of Afghanistan. For, for a long time, he reported directly under General Petraeus. As we were talking about the world and everything going on around us, began asking him questions. And he said, nations like Libya, when we hear the media, the media says, oh, the Egypt is going to be free and Libya is going to be free, and, and, and we've all had our minds, will they be free? And this man, who is over there all the time, interacting, he, uh, it's amazing the, the impact this man has. But he said, Libya and Egypt and Syria, Lebanon and Morocco, Jordan, probably eventually will fall. Not into good hands, but to the extremist. We have a God who is sovereign over all. And secondly, Daniel was a role model for us. He had so many noble qualities. Excellent spirit, blameless in his relationships with people, without fault in his political and business dealings, faithful to the king over him, committed to prayer, willing to obey God rather than man. Each of us, each of us, need these qualities in our lives. We need that excellent spirit that comes from the Spirit of God controlling us. 
so that we might be blameless. We need to be faithful to God and pursue Him in prayer. And we need to be willing to trust God over man. In the midst of life, it's so easy to see our income coming from our job or whatever, not from God, but from God. And our attitudes need to be that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that Pastor Eric talked about some time ago. Is they were facing the king and refused to bow down to, to his image and to worship him. They said, if, it, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And we will, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. God's desire for us is that we be strong, choosing God over man. Well, let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you so much for the life of Daniel. We thank you, Father, that as a young man, as a teenager, Father, that he purposed in his heart to be faithful to you, refusing the food and the wine. And, Father, as we look at his life today, some 70 years later,